So Joseph asked Mary what the wise men brought. And Mary said, oh, you know, gold, frankincense, need I say myrrh. Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker, and here we're welcoming all who are looking to improve their life by improving their relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Mitchell Redman, and here we're going to be discussing a variety of topics and doctrine relating to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from him, from his birth all the way up to his mortal ministry. And here, our mission is to help you live the best life from his example. Life doesn't tend to be perfect, but our Savior is. So join us as we walk with Him. Welcome back to Walk With Him, guys. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> I thought you were making fun of our tangents. By, we are. You said back. It's been a long time since we've been on topic. So welcome back to Walk With Him. But yes. No, you just mean you listened to a previous episode. But we got up. <laughs> I've said this a billion times in lots of episodes, but I'm really excited. Why? We, well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I need more patience. I'm excited in particular because this one is kind of going to be closer to what most of our episodes are going to be like. Because I did, well, I always do a lot of research in the episodes but this one i found a lot of kind of external research if that makes sense like obviously we talk about a lot of doctrine inside christianity and inside our church but what i'm talking about is having kind of external factors and evidence to back that up what is the definition of external (laughs) external sources external external as in like wikipedia yeah i guess for instance, this episode, I went through a lot of scholarly resources, like scientific journals and stuff, which are very boring to read, I found out. <laughs> That's not the point of them. The point is to support a thesis that they have, right? And so they just lay out all the evidence without any really thought on reader enjoyment. But today, we're going to be talking about Christmas in a sense of what it was and what it is today. Because even researching what it was like when it started, I didn't know most of this. And in fact, there was a talk, I'll link it in the show notes, that introduced me to what Christmas actually was. The talk is called The Real Christmas. Uh, It's not a talk, it's a thing that was in one of our magazines called the Liahona. We're going to start off by talking about the origins of Christmas and where it actually came from. So from that talk that I went over, the real Christmas, it brought up another religion called Mithraism. Is that how it was? Mithraism? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. We, we According looked- to Google, that is correct. So um, the god Mithra was worshipped by the ancient Aryans, A-R-Y-A-N, Aryan, I don't know, those people. That was kind of their main god of, it says here, the heavenly light of the bright skies, and later in the Roman age was worshipped as the god of the sun. So Apollo? No, this person. I think, I don't know if Mithra came first or Apollo. Apollo is the god of the sun in Greek mythology, right? Yeah, well, in Rome... It's um, because 
Apollo is Greek. Right. I don't remember his Roman name. But um, yeah, so December 25th was actually their day of worship for this god Mithra. And did they only worship once a year? I guess that was the... Or that's just like a designated day. I think that's like the birthday of this god. Or just their special holiday where they celebrated him. I don't know. Okay. But, um, so apparently it originated in the East Mediterranean. So possibly in Persia. So modern day Iran. Later, I guess, conquests that they did introduced it to Rome. Where prisoners taken in those actions were brought captive to Rome when they were there. And so that introduced the worship of this god Mithra to Rome. But at that time, Christian Christianity was the dominant religion. But over time, Christianity gave to, gained a victory over Meaning Mithraism. what? Meaning that I guess it didn't catch on quite as much in Rome. Mithraism? Yeah. And in fact, they replaced... So the victory that the Christians won is that they kept their people. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, so that's a good question. I didn't think about that. According to ChatGPT, it's very complicated. I didn't realize ChatGPT could be used as a search engine. Well, it knows everything up until a certain, like it has all the information from the internet up until a certain period of time. But anyway, there's a lot of things that it lists here. Doctrinal appeal, inclusivity, I guess Mithraism isn't a very inclusive religion. I think the main, I'm just guessing here, but based off this list, I think the main factor was the support of the government because it lists off a bunch of different um, bunch of different rulers and some of them favored Christianity more than others. So I think it was ultimately like kind of the preference of both the government and the people. And then eventually they just kind of took it over. Are you talking about the 25th being celebrated as a Christian holiday? Yeah, that's, I guess, the most obvious example. Because they, the tradition of, like, the big celebrations during that holiday, like, close to the 25th, that was a tradition of Mithraism, right? Okay. And then, so, Christianity just adopted that same time period to be their day of worship or celebrating the birth of Jesus. From... All the research I did as well, there's a lot of traditions that stuck as like the immigrants that had ventured to the Americas. So originally it was introduced to the U.S. specifically by European settlers who brought all their cultural traditions. Like the Germans brought the, um, what's the word? Christmas tree? No. Well, yes, uh-huh. actually. They did bring the Christmas tree. They also brought their story of Saint Nicholas. So like early pictures. Saint Nick. Yeah. Early pictures, and you looked it up earlier. It's like this like this tall dude in a robe. Not quite like the happy red robed Santa, but just kind of this almost like priest looking guy. I mean, he's called Saint Nick, so that makes sense. And at the time, maybe that maybe this is completely irrelevant. But at the time Red was closely associated with um, socialism, right? Or that's not even the word I'm looking for, is it? Communism? Communism, thank you. I don't feel like that was related. That's kind of an interesting point, but 
I guess we can mention that later in the marketing of Christmas, when they take this St. Nicholas and made it more of a commercial figure, like specifically Coke, which I think he's red because of Coke is their brand colors are red. Oh, so I think, yeah. So I think that's where the red came from. Interesting. I feel like there was a lot of people who was trying because they introduce all these traditions and concepts, right? From all these settlers and immigrants that came over to the U.S. And then later, the task that people were trying to do is to figure out how to make this more of a, I guess, a branded holiday. Not everyone celebrates Christianity, right? And so they're trying to make no. a very general celebration that everyone can enjoy, right? Hence this the mission. commercialism. Like yeah, Coke. we can move on to the the commercialization aspect of it. So there's this really interesting article that I found. This one pop culture scholar named Dr. Ruth McClelland Nugent. And she was basically just analyzing the commercialization of it now, how it got started out. This is kind of the main source that this article took from the findings of this person. So initially, it was this, this celebration of Christianity, right? And all these people were bringing in their own traditions and it wasn't super applicable to everybody in general and especially to those people who didn't celebrate Christianity, right? Any idea if celebrating Christianity meant something different than celebrating his birth? Or has that always been? Um, I think so. Okay. Because... There's nowhere that you found that they specified celebrating his birth later on in the years. Besides the fact that they have now this date to celebrate the birth of Christ, I couldn't find anything else that suggested that this was, I guess, replacing another tradition of celebration. But I mean, reading the Bible, right? You have like the Passover, the ancient Jewish traditions, right? And so depending on your culture, historical background, I guess that would influence how you celebrate if you were to have any specific traditions. Fair enough, yeah. The main goal that people in the U.S. were trying to do then is to make it a more widely celebrated thing, right? So, like, they created brand-related jingles, and they even sponsored entire programs dedicated to this new recreation of Christmas, right? And then eventually music started becoming a... Music started to become a an integral part of Christmas, right? You have all the Christmas classes, which I didn't look this up, but I wonder if some of the songs that we sing now, I wonder if some of the stories that we talk about, like Rudolph or other Christmas things, I wonder if that was stemmed from songs or if that was just some other story that, you know, it's interesting. Rudolph sounds German. Yeah, which makes me think that maybe it was a like the offspring of one of the immigrants that came to the US. Hmm. It was just it's just this huge melting pot is what I got out of it. This huge combination based on like where you're from, what you believe. And then the goal of these people was to kind of generalize or or better yet to standardize it right so then we when you think christmas you think 
Santa, you think presents, you think gifts, right? You think stuff that you will give them their money for. Yes. Or did, wait, did that make sense? Stuff that you will give them their your money, money yeah. for, not their money. There's a couple of interesting quotes from this scholar where she says, these were very artistic. All that commercialism drives people to say, what is Christmas? what do Christmas decorations look like? What does Santa Claus look like? What do nicely wrapped presents look like? Right? And that, especially with the presents, that spiked in the post-World War II period where people finally have money to actually spend. Because you had the... Wait, so this was... It was originally started to be marketed, like, during World Wars? I think what she's trying to say is that after that period is when really caught on and started to be profitable when people had enough money to actually spend on more than the base necessities like food and shelter. And so she goes on in another quote. She says, the commercial aspects that we are selling, the Santa, the trees, are not closely tied to a particular theology of Christmas. Again, the point that you don't have to be Christian to celebrate it. And I think you even see that in like personal Christmas traditions, right? I mean, every single family has their own thing that they do on Christmas based on, like, their family heritage, right? Yeah. What's yours? Mine? Yeah. Something we do is we just get donuts on Christmas Eve and then eat them on Christmas morning. Something we did, like, kind of for the month of December is we would have 25 books, 25 little Christmas books. We'd wrap them up, and every day we would open one of those books and we'd read it at the end of the day. Not like super long books, like not a Christmas Carol length. Like those little cardboard books that has like 50 pages. Speaking of Christmas traditions, we're going to go into our submission. I say submission because nobody else submitted anything else. Hmm. Yeah. Which is sad, but it's fine because our boy Eric Elgin. I like this guy. He... We're going to continue his email because there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I didn't want to just read that one section. Let's go. Because he actually talks exactly about his Christmas traditions. We're going to continue reading his email. And honestly, we'll probably read it next week, too. Really? Uh, Okay. Depending on how many submissions we get. So he goes on. This is after the, the paragraph we talked about. So he starts with talking about his traditions. So he says... As a little kid, Christmas was all about setting out the cookies and milk on Christmas Eve in our new pajamas and then trying to go to bed so we could wake up our parents bright and early to see what gifts we got. As I grew older, Christmas dimmed in excitement but was happy, but I was happy to get gifts still. My last Christmas I had before I left on my mission didn't really even feel like a Christmas because I went to work at like noon because they needed help at the movie theater I worked at. Oof. Movie theaters are open on Christmas? Yeah, they play It's Christmas, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Huh. Uh, So he goes on. I think my view of Christmas definitely changed when I became a missionary. Same. I think it's the same for all missionaries. December was a weird time for me as a new missionary. I had been out for a little over two months, and I was still adjusting to Australia. The seasons are switched in Australia, so so instead of it being winter... We were going into summer, and so it was getting to be in the 90s, and it was getting dark at 8.30 p.m. It wasn't feeling a lot like Christmas as it 
And it wasn't helping that Australians weren't really in the Christmas spirit anyways. So this is interesting when he talks about how they celebrate. Australians aren't the most Christ-loving people, and so Christmas was just more for presents, barbecues, drinking, and watching the cricket game more than recognizing Jesus Christ's birth. That sounds like the 4th of July. It really does. It's interesting. So Granted, it's the middle of summer for them. Right. The 4th of July is the middle of summer. He goes on, Now I have been out for over a year, and I'm coming up on the Christmas number two as a missionary. I think watching The Christ Child was a great way to kick off my December because I was able to remember the purpose of Christmas a lot faster, and I hope to be able to show it to more families so they can remember too. First of all, I found it interesting how it's perceived in Australia, as in it's not really perceived in Australia. (laughs) So then does that mean it's like, if it's not Christmas, did they just adopt that day to, is it like the same thing they did in Mexico where it's like, oh, Thanksgiving, an excuse for us to eat more. I wonder if that's kind of the same thing that happened. I don't know. I was going to ask you um, how your view of Christmas changed last year. Well, first of all, like he said, I really like that they had us watch the Christ child as a mission. I think it really set the tone for the Christmas season and what it means. In fact, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were probably the most busy days for us as a companionship because we were trying so hard and the mission was the mission president was pushing us to to be sharing the message during those times. So in fact, I remember the Christmas Eve we visited like four families, which is a lot because they talk a lot and they want you to stay for the food that they just cooked for you or especially on Christmas, yeah. Yeah. So four families was quite a lot and frankly more than I expected to talk to on that day because I thought everyone would just be busy with their Christmas traditions and celebrations. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media. Com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. Last Christmas, I saw, um, so somebody I taught was really cool, but he was alone, and I saw the pain that that brought to be alone on Christmas. Was that confusing to you when you saw that? No, not confusing, but never something that I've really thought about, because at least typically my mom will make like a plate of cookies or whatever else and then give it to people around us. And there have been people that have done the same for us, right? But I've never really felt like those made much of a difference ever. You know, like somebody brought me my family cookies and it's like, okay, I will gladly take them. But like, you don't think it 
had a significant impact on like No, but I saw how you can actually really help somebody during Christmas and how actually doing things during the Christmas season can be very beneficial. Like and not doing just more kind of tradition. So doing can, more than just giving cookies and other Christmassy things. Yeah. Like doing and more you can meaningful even give things. Cookies. But like I don't know, give cookies and have a conversation with them. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. For people that are lonely, I didn't ever consider that Christmas wouldn't necessarily be um, like a celebration all the time. Yeah. There was something. It's interesting you bring that up because a lot of the speakers yesterday in church, they talked about how like the stress that they feel with the obligation to give gifts to people, right? There's a lot of raw nerves during Christmas. That's what one of the speakers, that's how they put it. When when I heard that, I thought, huh, that's an interesting way to put it. It can uncover some stuff that's uncomfortable to be thinking about. And that's why I really like the Light the World initiative. In fact, the little, there's a 30-minute videos on the homepage of the Light the World that you can share in Instagram and Facebook and whatever, but it's, those videos specifically were examples of people giving meaningful service. Like one of them was a little boy on a soccer team that looked sad. And then another kid came over and like gave him a hug and started talking to him. Just little moments like that, that instead of just giving cookies just because that's what people do, it's noticing someone in need and then providing what they actually need. Yes. And that's what I noticed is that there's actual needs during Christmas. I didn't really realize that before. Christmas itself brings actual needs. And that's what I didn't realize. Which I think is part of the problem with the commercialization, right? It's this expectation of, hey, give gifts. Hey, be with your family. I get the idea that they wanted to make it more accessible to everyone. But then by doing so, they created this standard that most people follow. And so if you don't follow it, it's kind of like, well, what are you really doing with your Christmas? That's kind of what it feels like to me. I don't know about you. You know, actually, last Christmas, I loved it. I sent my family, like, I sent them a picture of Christ and some notes. And there was hot sauces and I think, like, a rubber duck because <laughs> I love ducks. It really wasn't about the gifts at all. And I loved it. It takes so much of the stress off of, hey, do this thing that you're obligated to do because it's Christmas, right? In fact, one of the speakers, I remember she was talking about how in her job, she felt obligated to give all these coworkers a gift, not an expensive gift, like a $5 thing or whatever. But she's like, well, multiply it by 30 or 50 coworkers that I have. And it's just like, I'm a college student that's broke. This isn't very helpful or meaningful. It was a lot of those situations where I saw the flip side of how Christmas could be difficult for some people, which again is why I love how the light of the world is trying to bring it back to the service aspect and trying to kind of undo the secular nature of Christmas, which is good in some aspects, but as far as the just the materialistic view on it is not the greatest. You know, that's kind of why I decided to do this Light the World series, which was a very last minute decision. I don't know if I already mentioned that in other episodes. Because I remember how it felt to have a very Christ 
centered Christmas celebration during my mission and just the joy that I felt personally. And so I'm like, all right, well, how can I convey that better? I guess the main point of this episode is to just encourage people to focus on Christ. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even if you're coming in clutch. Yeah. And even if you don't believe in Christ or have your own beliefs about him, at least focus on the service aspect of it and the fact that it was meant to be a time to bring people closer together to lift up those people who have actual needs. There's a quote that I really liked from one of the talks, not the one that we mentioned earlier, but another one by a former prophet of our church, Thomas S. Monson. So I'll just read what he said. Christmas is what we make of it. Despite all the distractions, we can see to it that Christ is at the center of our celebration. If we have not already done so, we can establish Christmas traditions for ourselves and for our families, which will help us capture and keep the spirit of Christmas. I like that he mentioned in that talk, he mentioned a Christmas carol and the mansion or something like that. I can't remember what the second story was. But I want to start doing Christmas traditions that are more Christ-centered. And like the world gives us a lot of really good ideas to figure out how to do that. There's the the random service idea generator thing. Like you go to the website and you can hit generate idea. I don't know if you've gone on the website and seen that. No. Well, it's this... What kind of ideas does it give you? So there's the beginning. It's like person, action, to do, and then time. So it's like give your teacher a box of candy tomorrow. Something like that. Just a random generator of ideas of service. And there's a lot of really cool social media posts you can do too. Like inviting people to your Christmas celebration. Inviting people to visit with the missionaries. Just a lot of good ideas that maybe for someone who's like, well, I don't have any ideas on how to serve people. There's a whole ton of ideas on the Light the World webpage or even just on the church's website. There's a thing that you can hit that just says serve and it gives even more ideas. It's Christmas. There's only a week. That's plenty of time. Think about what the Savior did in a week. You can find a way to act like the Savior this week. Adi-toast. Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes and experiences that we've had from the mission field. You can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios.